Thank you for watching Super Cool Radio. I am your host as always, Matthew Thomas. And before we start this episode, I want to give a big thank you to promoter Christina Avila for making this interview possible. She works with so many talented musicians and artists, and I really enjoy working with her. Thank you so much, Christina. Now, let's dive into this episode. I got a really great guest with me at this time. He's a very impressive guitar virtuoso who has worked with many talented musicians, including Wilfredo Reyes, Bob Parr, Larry Carlton, and among many others. Make sure to check out his uh, last studio album, Cielo Nocturno. Please welcome Russ Hewitt. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me here on Super Cool Radio. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I, I've heard a lot about you. I really look forward to this podcast. So before we dive into everything, I know we got so much to cover, but I want to know just fun question to kick this interview off. What music have you been listening to this week? Ooh, this week. Um, actually, uh, there's a guitarist named Tony McAlpine. He's an instrumental guy. He just put out a new album. Um, so I've been checking that out. I just got the latest Iron Maiden, so I've been checking that out. Um, the Mammoth, the Wolfgang Van Halen, I checked that out this week. So it just, I mean, I love my palette of music is, is all over the board. So, you know, it, it, my best time to uh, listen to stuff is as I'm driving. So I'll I'll get somebody's new new record and uh check it out for the week so i'm i'm always listening to stuff right on i yeah i really like that especially like i kind of similar with you like i my music taste kind of goes all over the place sometimes i'm on kicks of like i want to listen to this band or this style of music but then like the next week i'm like okay i'm going to listen to something completely different it, it's so nice with like you know internet and everything that you can listen to so much uh different music yeah and there's so much out there i mean there's so much music by artists I like, and even, you know, I'll see an interview or a review of a band that might interest me. So I feel it's a, it's an injustice not to at least listen to it or give it a shot. You know, there's a lot of incredible musicians out there putting out incredible stuff. And it's like, you know, I'll, if they'll, if they spend a year or two years writing and putting out something, I'll spend five minutes listening to your song, you know, and I'll, I've come across a, a lot of incredible artists that way. Just just giving them a chance is, you know, I'll give you four songs and and if I like it, then I'm gonna devour your catalog. Yeah, I like that, especially um, you know, as I said, with just there's so much out there that it's it's it is worth the time to like find something like, hey, I'll give this a shot. Like I sometimes I scroll through like uh, Instagram if someone's like, hey, you should check out this band. I will because it's. There's so much out there and like 
there's so many bands I've come across or like they've emailed me submissions to, to my show that's like, how I, how have I not heard of you before? Because like, this is really good. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the problem. Well, not problem. That's the thing with YouTube. I'll, you know, everybody falls into the, the YouTube wormhole of where, you know, I'll discover a guitar play I've never heard it before. And at the end of an hour, it's like, this is the best guy I've, I've, I've never even heard of. And, and so, you know, I fall into lately um, traditional flamenco guys where the footage of that before just didn't exist. And then, um, you know, so someone's uploaded some of that or, you know, just guitar players at home doing their thing. I'm like, wow, this guy's, this guy's incredible. So it's, it's encouraging. And it's like, all right, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there still. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, YouTube, like some people fall down like wormholes, like conspiracies and all this stuff. But like <laughs> we fall down wormholes of like, wow, this is fantastic music. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, every now and then I go through my kiss and I, and I, you know, try to find the videos of the Kiss Alive 1 and 2 era, you know, all the old Queen stuff. I mean, even the Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles is like, these guys were just incredible live, you know, and it's it's amazing that, that you know, 30, 40 years later, it still sounds as good as it came out. Yeah, like, I love live music. I love, like, seeing it or watching it, listening to it, whatever. Like, live music, there's just something about it, like, that you actually, you actually see the musician who, you know, the musicians, the band you like actually performing music in front of you or, like, you know, through a TV or something. There's just something to it. Yeah, well, the, you know, and then live, too, the production of the studio is taken away. So you hear you hear the guitar or maybe the bass or the vocals as it was intended to be heard or as they had written it. And it's like, oh, well, without the five layers of harmonies and the backup singers at the root of it, it's a just a rock song, you know, and then a producer will get it and maybe change it up and do some things. So hearing hearing it live to me is just hearing it as a raw, um, as it was intended version. I, yeah, I totally agree. There's, yeah, it is. When you see it live, it is raw. It's like any mistakes or any kind of differences they make, you could definitely tell. I'm not saying you know musicians make mistakes during live shows, but any kind of differences because sometimes musicians do change up. Uh, you know, there sometimes the songs and stuff live, but it, it's always a treat every time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's you know performing it live. I mean, that's always the thing now, particularly now with me is I've got a you know, in this day and age with, with cameras and YouTube and video, the stuff lasts forever, you know? So before, if you had a bad show or if you just wasn't feeling in that night, you'd, you'd kind of forget about it and move on. But now you got to be conscious like this, this may live on forever in the, in the ether world. So you got to be careful. Yeah, definitely. Even if you think you're not being filmed, you might be. So like, you have to always bring your A game. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you listening to? What do you, what have you uh, been checking out lately? All right, so this week uh, I've been on like a like a huge punk rock kick. So I've been listening to like '80s punk rock, like Agent Orange, Black Flag, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, also, Iggy Pop, his post pop depression album, and his live post pop depression live album too. Uh, that that's just awesome. And then I've been listening to I started listening to um, let's see, uh, Genesis. I started uh, listening to that this week as well. Kind of like the more um, Oh, the uh, Phil Collins okay. era, Genesis. Okay, so did you ever get into the the Peter Gabriel era? 
it i did listen to some of it <laughs> i mean i i i, I listen to prodigy occasionally but it's i don't know it's, it seems it's very different from like the the phil collins era where it's more yeah. pop it's kind of it's more easier easier listening uh the product stuff i'm not like disliking it but it's also not necessarily um the style i like listening to no i'm right there with you i mean i'm the same you know uh, fleetwood mac went through that with the whole blues thing the pete uh, pink floyd went through that you know but i like the structured song the pop something that draws me back to it as opposed to just prog for being prog you know it's like i can handle that in, in doses you know i love dream theater i love yes i love you know animals as leaders i love um a lot of the new stuff that's coming out that your intention span for prog has to be either a hundred percent or or nothing so it's i've got limited headspace to absorb what i'm listening to and I, I like to like kind of follow along with the song. Like if I know what the lyrics are, you know, if, if it's kind of easier to remember the lyrics, sometimes with prog you can go like a couple, like two or three minutes without any lyrics. <laughs> so it's like, well, that, that was nice, but uh, I kind of want to like sing along to the song as well. Cause I know it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. So like, no, I've, I've listened to dream theater. I do like dream theater. Cause I think it, it's a little bit different. I think it's more rock. Like it's actually like more rock than and with more prog elements, but with rock and roll too. So it, it's slightly different. I would say like than like uh, the early Genesis. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So focusing on you, I'm chatting with Russ Hewitt right now. So how'd you get started as a guitar player? Like what drew you to playing guitar? Um, my older brother played guitar. So he's four years older than I was. So, you know, just as a younger brother, I just, whatever he did, I just, I kind of followed along. So he had the guitar, he had started playing for a couple of years and was, was actually good that, you know, did the high school band thing and so forth. And just as I started to have some interest with it, the friends I was hanging out with at the time also got guitars. So it just kind of made sense. And, um, so I got the guitar, friends got the guitar, and we just kind of, you know, messed around for years. And then at some point, my brother quit the guitar, um, decided to move on to something else, and then sold me his equipment. And um, then at that point, I had a good guitar, I had good pedals, I had a good amp, which, you know, unbeknownst to me, a, a good guitar and a good amp actually is easier to play, and it makes you want to play. So, uh, and without, you know, kind of without the pressure of an older brother that I'm in competition with, um, I just kind of took, took off from there and, and hadn't looked back since. And when did you start, like, actually, like, when did you get, like, the, the good equipment from your brother? How old were you? It was late. It was, I was 17. Like, I, everything for me was late and, and took forever. I, I got the guitar when I was 14. Um, I got the good equipment at 17 and then uh and then just delve into it you know I at that point I think at 18 I got a classical guitar um and uh and then went off to college 2 years later to uh, get a degree in classical performance so I took to it but I was just I didn't have any musical training prior to that so I didn't have any keyboard training or music theory anything so I was constantly playing catch up to you know those kids that have been doing it their entire lives but um 
Yeah, it was 17 when I got the the good equipment. Yeah, right, I see. It is a little, uh, a little bit later from like you know, other guitarists I've talked to. There's like, yeah, I started like nine, ten, eleven, that kind of like. So, but but from what I've heard from you know, obviously from you. So like, um, when you started out playing guitar, like, did you take any lessons or training or anything like that, or did you just start like just playing? Uh, a little bit of of everything. Right when I started was when guitar magazines started coming out with tablature. Um, they started, uh, guitarists started doing the VHS tapes of how to play songs and so forth. So just, I mean, it's kind of an apex, everything. Unfortunately, YouTube wasn't around back then, but, um, yeah, so guitar magazines, guitar, uh, transcriptions, books with tabs, the, the VHS tapes. Um, so I, I delved into that and I could play, you know, I, I could play a lot of stuff. I thought, oh, well, this is, you know, this is great. It's, it's easy. And then I read in an interview, uh, there's a guitarist named Vernon Reed, who's a guitarist for Living Color. And um, he said, and it was just a one-off line, he said in an interview, it's like, anybody can play anybody else's music, but not everyone can write their own music. And that was like, you know, that just dawned on me, like everything I'd been doing up until that point was cool, but that it, I didn't write any of it. So it it changed the apex of, of what I wanted to do. And, and at that point, again, perfect timing. There was a, an incredible guitar teacher that moved into my small town in Texas. And I started taking lessons from him. And he's the one that got me started in on the classical guitar. He got me going in on theory, on the three note per string guitar stuff. Um, you know, Cause prior to that, it just, I just didn't have access to that information. And um, so from there, uh, you know, again, off, off to college, but yeah, it was, you know, it was a little bit of everything. I thought I could just do it all myself because as a guitar player and you'd read these in magazines, uh, guitarist is self-taught, you know, so-and-so Hendrix never took a lesson or Eric Clapton never took a lesson. So then you think to yourself, well, I, I guess I don't need to take a lesson. You know, it's, it's going to come to me from above or it's just going to magically happens. And, and it actually does for some people, but for the majority of the people, and I, I fall into that category that I needed to get my hands on as much stuff as I could and, and absorb it. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you mentioned Living Color. I, uh, I just saw them uh, last month, actually, live. And that was one of, one of my favorite shows to go to because just they bring so much energy and they just sound so good. Like, you know, as you said, he's, he's a phenomenal guitarist. Like, see, seeing yeah. him actually work live is it's so impressive. Yeah, no, he, you know, he uh, he's a player, you know, he's. I noticed this with a lot of good musicians, a lot of good guitar players, and I'm sure you'll notice this too. Like they're just wired differently, like their thought process on, on you know, what they do with the information in their head is it's just different. And, and I can tell early on off, you know, their first big album that he just, the way he approached stuff was just different. And it, he wasn't trying to, be anybody and he wasn't trying to sound like anybody it was just he was doing what he was doing and and that's that's a lot to admire with with a guitar player just just kind of going for it 
Yeah, for sure. And, and Living Color is, is so unique because like like they have songs that are more like pop style. They have songs that are more punk style. They have songs that are more classic rock style. There's so many different and sometimes a song like transitions like just mid song, it'll start, you know, becoming either faster or like they do a pop segment. So it's so unique that like and he's able to play all these different riffs while staying like, you know, being his self at the same time. Yeah. So are you a guitar player? Do you do you play? Uh, no, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't play, I, I'm not a musician, uh, actually, I just, I just really love music, so I, that's, I'm good with audio and video stuff, so that's kind of why I, I did this podcast, but yeah, I understand nice. some of the stuff, but not like the more intricate stuff. No, that's, that's good, it's, it's funny, it's, you tend to enjoy, like, I love, you know, like, movies and, and the art of directing, but I think if I was a director take away the joy of being able to consume the media so you know it's, yeah. it's interesting that you don't play because you're able to consume it and enjoy it in a, in a way i never i can anymore so that's that's very cool yeah i think it's just because i i just love it there's just like just the love of listening to music and you know i, I understand like obviously the, you know the different genres and you know playing you know a little bit of guitar playing i understand that but yeah my my wheelhouse is mostly audio video editing so, you know, like when I do shows, when I cover a show for like, you know, uh, for video and stuff, it, it, it does take away a little bit because like I have to work, yeah. I have to make sure I have right. to be at this spot, I got to make sure the lighting's good over here. So it, it is, I understand like, you know, like you, know, you with directing is like me with, you know, covering shows. It's like, I want to see this band live, but I also have to film part of it to add to my show. So it's kind of, you know, the, it's still fun, but it's a different, it's a different kind of work. Yeah. And in fact, that's, I have to split up the music that I listen to because it's it's hard for me to churn off the analytical side. Like, oh, are they, you know, what's that melody or what key they're in? Are they changing keys for the chorus? Or so I gotta if if my brain is churning, then I'll I'll listen to something analytically or the new music. But sometimes I just I gotta churn it off. You know, I gotta either listen to something I'm very familiar with already is that i don't have to analyze a breakdown or just listen to like talk radio because if it's just always new music i'm just my brain just doesn't stop it's like okay i can't i can't run all day on this analytical side so so yeah i've got to uh either critical listening enjoyment listening or just talk radio yeah, for yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way with like when I, I I did a lot of like album reviews last year, which was it was cool, but like so, sometimes it got like oh, okay, I just want to listen to this music to, <laughs> for fun instead of like trying to write a you know a report on it pretty much. So yeah, it, it I I am the same way. And some people ask, hey, can you review this? I go, uh, let me listen to it first and see like you know about it. But yeah, I totally understand you, man. Nice. So uh, I do know. So you you have some uh, endorsed uh, guitar equipment. So like, what what, uh, what do you use? I use all of it. Um, you know, the the thing with with my endorsements is, I I approach it in in the opposite way a lot of times. Like, you know, someone because I, I I go to uh, these big guitar conventions and music conventions and. You, and and I've seen it too, um, where you know someone come up and 
you know, well, I'm interested in your product, uh, you know, can you s- sponsor me or, or whatever? And, and, and I do the opposite. Like I, I'm endorsed by Golden Guitars. Well, I had been playing Golden Guitars for a decade before I even met them in person, you know? So I'm like, so then when I finally met them, you know, I knew their product. I had, you know, gig stories and war stories. I, I had product suggestions like, hey, you guys should, you know, so I knew the stuff. I played it. I played their booth. They heard me play. And then a relationship was started. Um, you know, the same thing with with VPix that I I do, obviously, a lot of finger style stuff for the classical and the flamenco. I'll do hybrid stuff where I'm holding the pick and using my fingers. And then sometimes I'll just use only the pick. So the the tone of the V picks matches the tone of my fingernails. So if if I'm playing something on the guitar and I'm going fingers only, picking fingers or just the pick, your ear will have a hard time telling the difference that I'm even switching. And all the other picks that I've used it's a distinct sound. It distinctly sounds different than my fingers in, in the pick. So I wanted a, a smooth sound between them. So I've been using V-Picks forever, long before I ever met Vinnie Smith from V-Picks and told him about his pick. You know, I went through his picks, what I loved about it. Um, again, some suggestions, because that's just what I do, and started a great relationship with him. And... Uh, and I've been with them for almost a decade. So I've got a ton of endorsements, but it's it's stuff that I use that I can just ramble on about um, why I use it, how I use it, how it makes my sound better. Um, so that's that's my approach is is I'm never trying to like, it's, it's not like awards. So I'm not trying to gather all of these endorsements just to go, look, I got a dozen endorsements. How great am I? It's, it's the opposite. It's, it's I, I use the stuff. I love the stuff. I would use it regardless if I was endorsed or not. It's a bonus that I am, but it's not, it's not going to be a determining factor. I, I really like your, your mindset for like the endorsed um, equipment. Cause I know like there's some people like, Hey, I got to get endorsed by stuff, but like if they don't use it or don't like to use it, then there's really no point of, trying to get endorsed but like you actually use the equipment because like, that's what I, I was reading i read your bio on, the, on your website that's how i was kind of gathering my information but yeah, you actually do use everything and i didn't know that there's actually um a distinct sound that each pick company makes i didn't know well, that. It, it well it's it's by default because you know with the pick there's different thicknesses there's different materials um it's and because I use a pick with a nylon string, the attack, I mean, it could get really technical here. If the electric guitar, you've got the pickups, the magnets and the pickups and, and the slew rate from the guitar cable to the amp. And it it sounds a certain way. And that's and there are certain guitar players that only use their fingers like Mark Knopfler. Uh, Brian May uses, a, I think, a, 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 a washer for a pick which has a very distinct sound and tone. So, you know, the, the pick that you use makes a huge difference on a nylon string because you're not being covered by distortion and, and uh, traditional guitar pickups. So 
with with a nylon string, it can sound very thin, very brittle, very bright and biting, um, which is fine if that's the sound that you want. But for me, you know, if I if I had a bright and brittle guitar pick sound and then went to my fingers, it it would be too drastic. And then if I, it, you know, so it was just a matter of finding the right density um, and the right material for me. Uh, you know, I know like Carlos Santana uses this pick, uh, the V picks, um, Billy Gibbons uses the V picks. So, you know, these are guys that can literally have any pick in the world or any company make them a custom pick. So, but, um, yeah, it, it makes a difference. You know, you, you can definitely fall down the geek side of the equipment and, and the electronics and the circuitry and all that. And I, I wish I was better at it. I just, I'm like the layman's term. I'll just use my ear and go, well, that that's either working or not working. And then, but yeah, I sat down when I, when I decided to go through my pick thing, I went to guitar center, bought um, 40 picks ordered a bunch online, I ordered gypsy jazz picks, I ordered stone picks. Um, I ordered, I mean, everything that I could literally find and then just, just went through each one and played it. So, you know, it, it definitely works for me. Yeah, it is about just finding the, the, the style you want and just being familiar and comfortable with your equipment because that's going to bring out, if you're fighting your equipment, then you're not bringing out the best sound. That, that's one guitar player. I heard one guitar player actually say, if you're fighting your equipment, you're not going to be the best. That's, yeah, it's it's so strange when I play, when I do a gig, whether it's a small gig or a big gig. It's so funny, the small things that you think about, because it's never what you think a musician's thinking about. You know, I'm thinking about small stuff, like, from stage, a musician can actually see a lot that's going on. So, like, if if I see somebody, like, go out the exit, like, as I'm playing in front of a ton of people, I'm like, did they not like the song? Is there something I could, like, I'm just thinking of why that person's leaving for, and it could be for a, a thousand reasons, but, you know, so someone in the audience, when you're leaving, or you get up to get a beer, or you know, so a, a band's playing a new song. They see everybody, and and they and they got to be thinking like, oh, is this new song not any good? Or you know, so even so, silly stuff like that to the point of where I would sometimes would do a whole show, going, why is my sound not good? Or is this monitor too loud? Or just it's the it's the weirdest things that stick in your head when you play. So. If if you are having trouble with the equipment or your sound, that that is all. Sometimes you can think about during a big show. Yeah, for sure. There's always you know being on stage. Uh, it definitely it's uh, you, you definitely do see everything. It's always and your mind tends to wander sometimes if you're like, hey, like what's going on with this or like why is it <laughs> like this? So I mean, I can totally understand that. I had one time. Uh, I was at a small bar show and like someone started playing darts during like, uh, cause there was a dart machine like right next to the stage and someone's actually playing darts during the set. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> Am I boring you? Well now, you know, nowadays with phones and, and I'm guilty of this too. And I, 
I'm very conscious, like not to pick up my phone just to, for whatever. Cause I'm like, that's, you know, disrespectful to a musician. If you're just on your phone doing something or just glancing a little bit, it's like, you know, they're not holding your attention enough not to look at your phone. So I, you know, try to be respectful of, of the musicians and, and the shows I go to. It's just like, you know, not trying yeah. to embarrass myself or them. Yeah, no, I totally understand. I don't, I don't look on my phone uh, unless I have to take photos or I'm using my equipment to take photos. But like, that's pretty much the only time you'll see me like uh, on, on my phone at a show because like I paid money to be at this show. <laughs> so like, I want to enjoy all the bands who are supposed to be here because again, you paid money to be here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, and you know, a lot of that is old school too, because none of that existed, yeah. you know, back in the day, if you will. So, you know, you, you absorb it and, and, um, you know, hopefully it lives in your mind's eye and your memory. So, yeah, I, I try to, on occasion, I'll sneak a picture or two, but, you know, other than that, I'll, I'll put the phone away. Yeah, I'm for sure. I'm the, I'm the same way when it comes to live shows, just because, again, you, you got to be there to experience it. If you're on your phone, you're not experiencing it. You're just on your phone. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, some some cool I want to talk about. Uh, so your latest single, uh, Sunset uh, Samba, was released in May. Uh, that that uh, single features Jorge Strunz. Uh, how was it working with him on that on Sunset Samba? Well, those the so Jorge Strunz is is part of a duo called Strunz and Farah, and they've been around since '80, and then in '90 they had a string of almost a decade worth of Grammy nominated chart topping albums. And um, I, I, up until that point, I was doing my rock guitar stuff. I was doing my classical guitar stuff and I was sort of doing the style that I was doing now. I was just playing cover songs and so forth. And then I heard the Strunz and Farah live album that came out in 97. And it was one of those, moments again that a, a, a pivotal shift in what i thought was possible that the songwriting the the soloing the rhythmic variations the melodies it it was any unlike anything i had heard prior so i had been a huge strens and Farah fan for for decades now um i had an opportunity to to meet them and hang out with them and actually become friends with them. When, um, when I go to, to California, uh, I'll always set up a time where I'm meeting or hanging out with, with both of them or, or each of them separately. I'll, I'll get together with Jorge Strunz and, and take a guitar lesson, which he doesn't offer guitar lessons, but we'll just kind of come and hang out and he'll play and he'll show me some stuff and, and artist Shur Farah, his his musical partner, will will hang out and we'll go eat at Persian restaurants and so forth. Like he'll like, oh, this is the best one in LA, let's go. So um, so I had Artist Shur Farah play on, on my last album. And so for this album, I thought uh, you know, it went so well. I wanted Artist Shur Farah back on on the new album and singles, and then he suggested. I go ahead and get Jorge on a song. So, I mean, Jorge is just 
he's he's got the kindest soul he's got the knowledge of music and rhythms and the culture more than any professor i've ever come across and um you know just getting to know those guys and hang out was was all i could really have hoped for but to actually have him on a song and play i just because clearly they don't have to do anything you know they don't they don't want to do something they're not going to do it and um but but he happily did it and and Artashir was telling me this is the first time in the 40-year history of Strunz and Farah that they'll appear on the same album together but not on the same song together so um so yeah I uh I was just blown away and and you know kind of the running joke because I've got I'm releasing singles throughout the year and then probably the full album with the uh, release singles and unreleased songs at the beginning of next year. So kind of the running joke with, with my wife and my friends is like, I just need to live for this album to come out with all the guest artists that I have on it. And then afterwards, you know, whatever, but I just, I need to, you know, in the running jokes, like, Hey, if I pass away before this video gets out, just make sure to get it out for me. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally, I totally got you. Man. Like, uh, but then that's really cool. Especially, I've, I've listened to a few interviews with with Jorge, and, and as you said, he's like one of the nicest dudes. Like, I've you know just interacting with people, he's just a really nice and cool guy. Yeah, his, you know, his his energy. I mean, he, you know, whether you're into this or not, you know, but certain people's aura and and presence, they you know, they invoke kindness or happiness or just a peace about them. And and he is anybody that's ever met or spent time with him. He's like, you know, again, just, just coming up and just hanging with him in a studio and just talking, just geeking out and talking shop and, and talking guitar players. And then, you know, ask him how he plays some things or, you know, show me some secret rhythms that nobody knows. And so it's, you know, these are, you know, moments that, that I'll cherish forever. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. I, I've listened to Sunset Sound, but I really enjoy it. Just the whole, like the energy and like groove to it is, uh, it's, just, it's just really, it's, it's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's, you know, with my, with my genre and my style, I the kind of, the thing that I'm able to do is I can kind of borrow and steal from, from everybody. You know, if I was, a, a Cuban guitarist, I'm kind of locked into like Cuban stuff, you know, so I, I wouldn't, not that I wouldn't be allowed to do other stuff, but like if I'm a Cuban guitarist, you expect to hear Cuban music. And same thing if I was a Brazilian guitarist, it kind of fits me in that one thing. Or if I was a flamenco guitarist, there is a accepted, you know, flamenco rhythms and styles that I can play. But with what I do with this, Spanish style or Nueva Flamenco or Latin world or world jazz or, you know, however I, I end up getting categorized as I can pull from everybody. So I, you know, I'll, I'll borrow uh, Cuban rhythms, Brazilian rhythms, rhythms from, from ballroom dance, rumba stuff, Spanish stuff, uh, flamenco stuff. And I'll just take those rhythms and and just kind of make them into song form. So, you know, kind of to your point earlier about prog music versus you know, pop songs. 
most of my songs, I'd say 90% of my songs are written in a pop song form. So you've got an intro, you've got a verse, sometimes it's a double verse, sometimes it's a pre-chorus. For some uh, Sunset Samba, there's no pre-chorus, so it's just verse, intro, verse, chorus, you know, intro again, verse, chorus, that time played by Jorge, you know, and then a bridge section, then a solo section, and then we double up the chorus and, and we're out. So that exact song form is a gazillion pop songs. So it makes it digestible for the listener who doesn't know me, doesn't know my music. It's not just nine minutes of guitar soloing and like, you know, you hope you enjoy this. This it's 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 digestible to to everybody. Yeah, there's definitely there's a structure to it. And I think that's what makes it uh more like widely um accepted like to listen you know to listen to because it has a structure people are going to be at least a little bit familiar with it and it has um you know enough of a groove on it to make it like interesting like oh i'm going to keep listening to this kind of yeah. thing yeah that's that's the whole idea you know it's we live in the day and age as i'm sure you're well aware of uh, the youtube the facebook the instagram everybody's attention lasts 10 seconds like you've got to yeah. give them in 10 seconds or they're going to move on so unless you're you know unless you're a fan of a particular artist that allows you know if you love muse you're gonna a seven minute song for muse is going to be fine but you know if you're trying to build an audience or find an audience and so forth you know you've got to you kind of got to get to the point put your best foot forward and and write accessible music that's not gonna require a whole lot of attention from strangers yeah, it's all about like the discoverability of of things. Like if it's hard to discover, or if it's like, well, it's kind of you know the first you, you kind of have to grab your attention if you're going to put something out. Like my videos, I always try to start with like very familiar intro music so that people know within a couple seconds, like, oh, I know what I'm listening to, I know what I'm watching, and I think that's kind of the same way where you have to be familiar enough, but also unique at the same time for that people are like, oh, this guy stands out from everyone else I've listened to. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's now everything's a single, um, for this album, this is the first album that I'm going to do singles as opposed to just dropping the whole thing. I mean, it's yeah. you know, every six months, the, the music business and, and how to approach it and what to do changes and modifies a little bit. And so for years, it's been like, you know, you should release singles, you should release singles and yeah, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. So that's that's what I that's the approach this time. So singles, shorter songs, as many guest artists as you can have on it. I mean, it's it's just where we're at right now. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, I, I like to call it the Spotify formula. Like uh, you know, obviously you have to uh, everything you just said. Which I mean, I I do enjoy singles. It gets people hyped for like an album or an EP or whatever. But at the same time, like I knew a couple bands, like they released all of their album, you know, all all the songs on the album as singles. So like when you got to the albums, like I heard all of this before. <laughs> I always like to be su uh, surprised. Like oh, okay, I heard these two singles, but now I got ten new songs on this album that I want to listen to because I like the first two singles. So I think there's I think there's a little bit of balance and maybe I mean 
I can wait. I don't know. I, maybe I'm a different <laughs> listener where I can wait a few months and like I want to hear this whole album as intended instead of I heard all these singles and now here's the album, but I've listened to it already. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's actually why I, I decided to only, I say only, only do half as singles. Um, so when I do release the album, it is, you know, it's, again, kind of geeking out music-wise, there is an art to album sequence. There is a technically an adventure or a ride an album is to take you on. I mean, if The Dark Side of the Moon was released as singles, it would failed miserably um you know so even the you know again going back to Fleetwood Mac rumors it's not every song is single but every song is strong but it's it's sequenced in a way it it flows so you know as I'm releasing the singles the singles are with the special guest artist um the single you know after the the Jorge Strons is features the Bucharest Symphony um, so I, anything with a, a featuring artist, I'm going to release as a single, but then the other songs that don't have a featuring artist that will actually glue the album together, um, I, I'm not going to release. So then when you, you know, listen to it or you purchase it, it'll, it'll flow nicely and there'll be stuff you hadn't heard. I, I do like your, the. Actually, this is actually well thought out, the releasing of like what singles and everything, you know, how many singles. So, I mean, I could see half an album. I like, I'm okay with like, you know, if like half the album's released because then there's still another half you can listen to. Plus you can right. get the whole like flow of the album. So like, yeah, I heard this song, but now this song's going to flow into this song and this song. So there, there is a lot of, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of like uh, calculations and like planning, marketing there's so much nowadays that I don't think you di didn't necessarily need, you know, obviously back then, like when kiss dropped alive, you know, it's just like, here's kiss live. I mean, it's right. not the, the form that was easy form. Like here it is, please listen to it. And nowadays to like hold and get people's attention. It is, you have to like think of all the steps as you just thought of and explained to put into an album release. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing too, that has changed drastically is, what people decide to purchase and how they purchase if they purchase you know that's spotify will stream a new album and then and then even if i like it i wouldn't even often think to buy it because it's it's just there on spotify and just plug it in whenever i want so i have spent way too much time thinking about stuff and you know guessing and second guessing and and trying to find patterns and so forth one of them being to get someone to buy you know someone may not buy a single but if there's two or three singles they like plus songs they hadn't heard they might purchase the album um so i won't actually have that data until i release the album see see how it does but that's you know i just know just within myself if i again i love muse if i heard a single i'd be like oh okay and then i heard another single i'd be like oh that's cool but then oh here's the whole album okay well i'll go ahead and get get that because that's you know so the the singles good for press and promotion i can kind of always keep the machine running if you will but in terms of getting someone to actually purchase it uh before i've had better luck on a full cd so we'll see you know, it's been a couple of years since my last full CD. So we'll see when the this next CD comes out, what 
what the pattern is. Yeah, it is. It, um, as you kind of said, with like, you know, like Spotify and stuff, like I, I like to support like a, there's some great local artists where I live. So I try to like, if they have an actual physical copy, I'd rather, you know, pay for that physical copy, you know, through them because I mean, yeah, you get like a little bit, you know, a few cents here and there per stream, but like, I'd rather pay you for like a physical copy because then I have a CD and I love CDs. I got a huge collection. So it's, you know, partially the reason to do it, but also it is like a great way to support if you like like an artist to buy a physical vinyl CD. I, I know people are bringing back cassettes. I see like <laughs> new albums on cassettes now, and I'm like, man, that's a that's a throwback. Well, I you know, and and I'm guilty of that too. But I'll buy, I'll see an artist, and I'll buy a CD I already have. But you know, they're there, and they'll sign it, and I'll get to talk to them, and. You know, the money goes directly to them and it's just a way to, you know, remember the show and, and, and support them. So I, I mean, I've repurchased embarrassingly amount of, of CDs on, on people that I've seen just, just to show some love, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah, the other thing too, that I'm going to do is I'm going to, since most things don't even have a CD player anymore, uh, on the next album, I'm going to do. Uh, my music on a USB, but it's going to be in a cassette shape, you know, so it's going to be like an old cassette tape, but it's just a USB that will have it. And, and, and with that, I can put in all the videos I would be doing for the album and, and give them extra material on there. But, you know, just, you know, I came from the era of where I had a, a junk car with a trash stereo system. I had a cassette player with, two you know two speakers in a front and two speakers in a box in the back in the back seat and that's that's how i listen to music you know and and i miss it in a lot of ways because there is a purity to it it's just you know your box of box of cds and you pick one and, and you just stick it in and you go i mean that you know that that will never come back but um you know i it's funny if people are selling cassettes i don't even I can't even remember the last time I've been into a studio that's got a cassette player. So that might be uh that might be wishful thinking there. Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same thing because I don't know very many people. Like I I, I know a few like, old school people like who record actually like to to tape. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that's like one or two people that I know of like people I've interviewed or for friends. So it's like I mean it'd be it's cool, it's nostalgia, you know. Um, but I don't know. I think I, I like my CDs. I drive a 2003 car. Like all I have is a CD <laughs> player and a radio station or a radio, uh, a radio that only picks up like five stations. So like CDs are my go-to. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately when I, when I got my new car, I had, I, I didn't know I didn't have a CD player and I had all these CDs that I had yet to listen to. And again, I love listening to it in the car as I'm going to places because it has my undivided attention. You get the new car. It's like, ah. Oh. So I got to put everything on the iPod and stick it into. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. You know, I am looking at pressing vinyl now is a lot cheaper than it was a couple of years ago. So I think after this fourth CD comes out, I'm going to kind of do a best of. And, and pit my favorite songs on an album and and sell that too so that that at least i can have an album on the wall it's like hey you know at least yeah. i did that 
Yeah, I was surprised. So the numbers from last year, so vinyl actually outsold CD last year, which I was, I'm kind of surprised it's actually making a big comeback. People are actually buying record players and listening to, to vinyl, which I mean, it, it does have a unique sound to it. I, I do like it, but also most of the time I'm on the go. So like I have to put a CD in the car because I'm either going somewhere to a show venue, work, whatever. I don't have too much time to actually sit down and listen to vinyl, but I mean, it is cool, a nice experience. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's just a, I think as streaming went up and then an older generation kind of went like, well, I left my albums. I think it just kind of crossed like those that were getting CDs are just going to streaming. And then those that had the CDs and didn't want to mess with streaming as much actually went to get the albums. Because I, I still, you know, I'll peruse and a lot of the quote unquote new albums that are out are old albums being repressed you know so it's like i can i can see that there's a market for you know someone who's got a nice stereo system at home it's like you know, i'm gonna get my albums going again yeah i uh my dad's got a he's got an awesome uh vinyl collection he's got like black sabbath acdc uh and like a bunch of other like cool bands so like i i've listened to like you know his stuff on vinyl and it is so cool it, it it's vinyl is awesome but also at the same time it just doesn't fit my lifestyle right now but i definitely remember listening to vinyl like from my dad's collection yeah yeah well i i mean nothing was more sad was when you got a scratch on a vinyl yep. and it just it was there forever and this is like oh. <laughs> yep yeah, for sure. Or like uh, someone doesn't know how to put with the needle in the right spot. And it's like, you know what? Just let me do it. You're not, you're not doing this. Right. Just let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll be wrapping up this interview. Just got a few more things to discuss. So uh, sure. what what is some like the best advice for a guitar player who's just starting out? Um, just, just play what you love. You know, that's, there's always going to be a path kind of the beauty of the guitar as opposed to like piano or violin those instruments there's a general accepted path and learning and playing you know the piano it's you take lessons you're reading notes there are easy songs getting into harder songs there's a there's a path a lot of people take and then once they get to a certain point then it can splinter off to you know whatever jazz or more classical or pop same thing with violin there's a there's a path to it but for the guitar i mean you talk to 10 guitar players and they'll tell you 10 different ways they learn and how they learned and who they learned it from um so you know just just learn what you love and play what you love i mean if the only thing you love is country guitar then then play it and 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 dive into it you know you don't have to learn classical in order to move on to country or you don't have to learn you know these other things just you can just get into it and then you can specialize in it you know there are acoustic guitar players that just specialize in tapping and doing all that crazy stuff and and then that's perfect so you know just find find a path find something that excites you in order for you to, to get you to play and practice you know because it having to learn something that you don't like because you're told you have to or you can't move on to just you know kind of sucks the the enjoyment out of it so 
Yeah, I I really like that. It's um, you know, it would have, I always kind of ask that uh, question of guitar players or anyone who plays like a special instrument that's not a band. And um, it, they always, you know, it's always going to be different advice from everybody because everybody has different, unique, you know, and unique experiences. But I think definitely um, just do what you love, and I think that's kind of just applies to life too. Like you know, like what I when I started this podcast just because I love doing this, and like you know, playing guitar because you love doing it. I think that's like some of the best advice I was I was given just for my life. Yeah, I mean, it seems simple, right? I mean, it seems logical. It's like, well, yeah, of course you should. Just- do what you love and and do it not for financial gain or for status or or whatever do it because you want to do it and then whatever path happens in front of you is whatever happens so but you know it's yeah i you know when i used to teach a lot there were students that would have preconceived notions well i always thought that you know or i always heard that and i'm like nah nah just yeah. Let's just do what you want to do. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's some great advice uh, for just anything in life as well. But, Russ, thank you so much for hanging out with me here on Super Cool Radio. I do got to thank one person before I sign off and before I close out this interview. A big thank you to Christina Villa for making this interview possible. She does so much great work. She's a promoter for you. And uh, she just does so much great work with like making these interviews possible, working with her. She is just awesome. Yeah, no, she's, I mean, she's been a godsend, you know, she, we talk every couple of weeks or so, or sometimes every week, and she, you know, again, that's someone who does something out of the love of it, you know, it's, she, and, and it's, it's, she does it, be, it not because she has to, because there's a gazillion other artists out there, a ton of other musicians, she, you know, but I reached out to her, she, we get along great. She loves my music. You know, she's of Latin descent and and loves all the Spanish stuff that I do. And, and, um, you know, so she does it cause she loves it. And, and, you know, we need more people like her in the world. Yes, exactly. And it's just, yeah, as you said, it's just her love of music and she listens to like so much, you know, different things. She's always bringing me like, Hey, check out this artist, check out this band. And sometimes I mean, people she promotes, it's just people that she likes. It's like, hey, yeah. you should check out these people. It's just so cool to actually have someone who loves music that much. As you said, there's no like financial gain with anything <laughs> she does. She does, does it because she loves it. And I think that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's if, if you could find a passion, if it's even if it's a hobby or a side project or something that just brings you joy, you know, I mean, the stuff that I do for, you know, for money, for gigs, for work, and then the stuff that I do, I could do a lot of charity stuff for uh, Alzheimer's patients and for anything to do with pets. Um, I'll do shows and, and fundraise and so forth for free. Cause that's just a passion, you know? So it's, if you just find passion in, in, you know, projects and you just do it because you love it, then, you know, financial gain is, is a bonus, but it's not necessary. Exactly. For sure. But Russ, I had a great time chatting with you here on super cool radio. I do have one more thing before I let you go. So how are you closing out 2021 and then looking into next year, 2022? So I've got, um, I've got a new single with a, a killer video. We flew to Mexico and found wow. the location I've never seen before. And uh, 
it's really, really cool with a very cool featuring artist that I can't mention yet. Um, so that is that is on the docket. I don't know the release date. We've got a couple of things in, in the works um, for a big premiere. So I'm going to do that single and then probably another single or two. You know, once December hits, it kind of just goes to Christmas music anyway. So um, I think I'm just going to do singles for the rest of the year, put out the full album in January. And um, we got a couple of other videos already done once the full album drops. So it's just, you know, it's just press and promotion and um, lining stuff up for 2022. Right on, definitely. I, I look forward to hearing the uh, the complete album and also the singles you have been working on as well, because I, I definitely really enjoy just um, the style of music, your groove to your music, your your style and all that. So I definitely look forward to seeing uh, what what other music you're going to be releasing for this year and the album next year. Awesome. Well, you know, I know some people I can probably slide you a, an advanced copy. So, you know, we'll see if we can't make that happen. Well, it would definitely be very much appreciated, I can tell you that. But for Russ Hewitt, I am Matthew Thomas, and you have been watching Super Cool Radio.